0: Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer.
1: We are back with yet another post-game show here on the Owl Chat Podcast to recap the Owls' 80-77 win over Queens College uh, to open up conference play at home. I am joined here, as always, by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Foner. Producer Nick is here with us as well. And uh, Owls big man, or former Owls big man Aaron Anderson, uh, made the trip to Kennesaw, and he also joins us today. Aaron, uh, how was your time back in in the uh, greater Atlanta area, we'll say?
2: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a quick trip. We got in Friday, left Sunday morning. Uh, but we got, we packed in a lot. Me and my wife went out there. It was the first time out there for her. First time I've been back since I graduated back in 2013. Um, and pretty much like we, we were talking about it a little bit, guys, like so much has changed, but like a lot of it remained the same as well. Like so many memories came back, um, walking in the convocation center for the first time. Uh, yeah it was just uh it was it was really fun. It was really fun to see the guys out there in pregame and warming up and and just being part of the family again like its uh it brought back some good memories and and spent some time with with coach petway and and the staff and and spent a little bit of time with the guys in the locker room after the game it was uh it was cool. it was fun it was great to be back and i I, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want it to go another ten years without being back out there. that's for sure.
1: Yeah, we'd love to have you back again. Um, I do want to ask you, what was the biggest or best change, uh, both on campus and in the Convocation Center?
2: On campus, um, I mean, there wasn't not too many changes. I saw there was some some more buildings that went up throughout campus. Um, I guess one thing that I noticed, and it might be because of the time of the year, and it was a, a Saturday, but the parking was not a struggle throughout campus, which, which in my time was. There used to be parking tickets left and right um, wherever I went, even as a student with seemed like a parking pass where I could go wherever I wanted, but uh, we did not have any issues with parking, which was nice. So I don't know if that's been the case lately uh, the past few years, but um, basketball wise, like walking in the gym, like even the women's game had some, had some good fans. Um, And then coming to the men's game, there was obviously way more fans than we experienced as my time playing outside of the the Georgia tech and, and Mercer games that we played at home. Um, it was they even had to open up the one of the top sections. And I think the students are still away. I think they're still on, you know, Christmas vacation or Christmas break. Um, so it was cool to see the fans out there and and loud and it was just it was a good experience on the court as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um parking's been, I think, a point of emphasis over the last few years. I know when I went on my <clears throat> campus tour, uh, they made a, a slightly big deal out of having the third biggest parking deck in the state. Um, that being my, uh, my central location at central deck. Um, so uh, I guess that's probably changed, John. Um, I'm sure you maybe had shared experiences when it came to parking back in your time since uh, you're, uh, you're the latest veteran here on
3: this podcast. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm with, I'm kind of with you guys, but I think, you know, the parking probably still sucks. I don't know, but I feel like, yeah, it's definitely cause it was a Saturday that there were no problems. Like if it's a weekday, I'm sure before Kai, you would know better than me. Before, what, five or six? It's probably going to be pretty horrible, and you have to be on, like, the fifth or sixth uh, floor of the deck to find a spot.
1: Yeah, so uh, today, while we record this, it is the first day of classes, so for the next two weeks or so, it's probably going to be hell, but after that, it won't be too bad, you know, once that uh, KSU dropout rate starts hitting, so (laughs) just give it a little (laughs) time. But yeah, we'll talk about the game itself because that's what people want to hear. Um, so just to quickly summarize for those who didn't watch, uh, DeMond Robinson was held out of the starting lineup and had his uh, minutes limited just a little bit. He only played 27 um, rather than his usual 30-plus. Um, and Queens took advantage right away, jumping out to a 5 nothing lead. Um, but as soon as Robinson checked back into the game, um, KSU would go on a 6-0 run. Uh, and then Queens would respond back After KSU built a brief, I think it was 14-10 lead um, with a run of their own to take control. And then the Owls finished the first half on a 12-0 run to take a 38-34 lead into the break. Uh, Coming out of the half, things looked pretty awful as Queens put together a 23 run to take control, while the Owls missed 10 straight field goals to really put themselves in the hole. Uh, KSU was finally able to turn things around after about the under-12 timeout mark. Um, and would convert 11 straight field goals after missing 10 uh, to surge past Queens and hold on to an 80 to 77 lead. Terrell Burden led the way with a career high 28 points and Simeon Cottle followed not too far behind with 20 of his own. Uh, DeMond Robinson also had a nice game in his limited minutes going 11 and 8. So John, we'll start with you. Initial thoughts, feelings, concerns.
3: Yeah. um, You you pretty much said it all. You know, as you mentioned, Damon Robinson was held out of the starting lineup. He did have his left calf tape for those who weren't uh, watching, but he looked fine. I didn't notice any kind of limp, any kind of limitations. He looked great. So I'm guessing that was just precaution. Perhaps he was held out during practice. So they wanted to bring him off the bench. I don't know, but um, you know, I was, I, I just want us to play 40 minutes and, you know, a big observation that I made is if you look at the numbers, we were 22 for 43 from inside the three-point line and eight for 26 from three. So, you know, perhaps we need to readjust our priorities at least this year to fit our personnel a little bit more. So start inside and then work our way out. Uh, but, you know, that's just me. Um, what about you, Aaron?
2: Yeah, as far as the, the three-point shooting, I think we have we have a good amount of shooters on the team but they're when I think of just a pure shooter I think of like Quincy Adam McCoy, or even Simeon Cottle. like I I love when they throw the ball up there from three um other than that we have some we have some solid shooters but I think it is going to be streaky outside of those two guys um as far as the game overall yeah I agree with you with Demon. they probably he probably wasn't uh going into the week of after the Indiana game they weren't sure how his injury was going to play out and potentially, you know, didn't practice and had to, had to, you know, prepare for the starting lineup with Ranji in. So it kind of went that way. Like you said, John, I would imagine. Um, But he came in and made a big difference. As soon as he got on the floor, I think we went on a nice little run there. And then Terrell Burton, what what else can we say about that guy? I mean, seeing him in person live, just the speed and the quickness he has the control of the ball. um, He he brought the team back. He willed us back. Uh, It was a, it was a great game to watch in person.
1: Yeah, um, not that Burden, you know, has been poor this year by any stretch, but uh, it did kind of seem like uh, this was our first taste of that peak Terrell Burden that we were getting, you know, towards the end of last year. Um, As far as DeMond goes, I mean, I said this to Nick at halftime, um, and it was maybe a little bit less dramatic because of how, you know, Burden and Cottle picked it up in the second half. Um, But you could just instantly tell the difference that DeMond Robinson made when he was checking the game. I mean, it was, it was like night and day on both sides, uh, both sides of the ball. Um, so it's, uh, it's a little scary, but also um, encouraging um, that DeMond's injury clearly wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, th- there was something there. There's a reason they held him to the minutes that they did, but he did play and he did look really comfortable and he was able to make an impact on the game. Um, so that was definitely encouraging. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Burden, career high, 28 points. Um, I think he had, I think it was three blocks. I'd have to yep. double check. I heard That's say correct. It. Yeah, um, but quite the game. Uh, I just want to ask you guys, do you guys feel the same way of, you know, this was kind of that peak burden that we were getting towards the end of last year?
3: Yeah, I think you know, you have to remember he was coming off, and I forgot this until like just 30 seconds ago, but I'm pretty sure it was coming off some kind of ankle or foot injury or something um to start the season. So he wasn't quite himself. He was kind of getting back just at the time the season was started. Probably could have used another, you know, week or two, I'm guessing, to get into more of a flow. And yeah, um the TB, you know, he took some shots this game too, like an elbow to the face that they didn't call. He was trying to I guess defend somebody in the post, that big big doofus in the post, and he uh just threw the elbow right in him. And also another play where he just every game he just gets knocked down and keeps getting up. So, you know, that dude is tough number one. And I think, you know, it just pisses him off even more. And you can kind of tell that, you know, his revenge is just, you know, doing what
2: he does. Yeah, yeah I th- I think you know whether he's you know quote unquote back or not this is the first game that he's he's really shown himself from last year. I think a lot of that goes to him. I mean we're in conference play now at this point. Um and he's always been a player that's played with the most heart on the floor at all times and I think coming into it as is, as a senior on the team, uh the leader of the team, he wasn't going to let us go down. You know, we were down 12 at some point in the second half. Like he was going to make a statement on the game and with all the heart that he has um, I think it's going to come through even more in conference play, like we saw yesterday, excuse me, like we saw in the Saturday's game. Um, it, he is going to have the impact that we've expected him to have. It's just just purely because of the heart he has. Like, that kid is unbelievable. I mean, even in his his post-game interview, I saw some some clips. Um, like, he's just a joyful guy to be around. Like, he was just somebody that you know is going to make an impact on the game and whether it's an impact on the game, in the locker room, with his guys. I mean, he's a great player to watch, and, and I had some fun watching him.
0: I mean, after TB took a few of those initial uh, physical shots, not actual like shots on the game, but was getting elbowed, bumped around. And uh, he he was talking with the officials. He was having a few conversations with them. And there was one time when I, I remember this vividly because it was the weirdest thing I ever saw. TB was talking to the official and the official was staring at the back wall of the baseline. Wasn't even acknowledging Terrell. And he's like, that's like, there was this look in Terrell's eyes after he realized the official was not even paying attention to him. And he just got mad. And teams should be afraid of Terrell when Terrell gets mad because he turns into a different player. And I don't know if it's the conference play giving a little more juice there too. But like, I, me personally, he turned into a different player on the court from that part of the first half when he was getting bumped around to the second half when he was like, It's my ball. I own this lane. I'm
3: taking it there every single time. And you're not stopping me. Yeah. And you know, something that Alex Peterson mentioned when he was on recently, you know, and that's partly Terrell burden, the winning DNA. And, you know, you get it to Terrell burden with, you know, under eight minutes to play. I mean, that's the guy you want to have uh, with the ball in his hands. And, you know, we always talk about how we're going to miss Demond Robinson next year and all that because you can't replicate his skills. We're also going to really miss Terrell Burden. Um, But, you know, like you said, the difference is, you know, guys that are 6'9", like that or 6'8", you know, 230, 240 don't grow on trees. So that's harder to, you know, bring in somebody more comparable. But yeah, Terrell Burden is, you know, special player and I. I'm putting him as the bet, you know, the best guard that I've ever seen um, you know, play in KSU history. So
1: I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I do want to say, um, while I do love Terrell, uh, he does talk to the refs a lot throughout the game. So it would kind of make sense um for them just to like be like, okay, this is getting old, you know, I'm gonna turn the shoulder. But you know, if it pissed him off, it pissed him off and it worked. And I'm glad it did. Um, but the play of the game for me, I really want to talk about that charge he took with a couple minutes left um where he goes flying into the baseline i thought that like perfectly encapsulated the terrell burden experience on defense and i'm so glad he got the call and i'm not sure if you guys saw the post game press conference but terrell said he's like yeah two possessions prior i talked to the ref and i was like he's gonna he's gonna make this move right here and i'm gonna be standing right here and take the charge so please call it and the ref was like yeah i'll look for it and just right on the money um you know two minutes later it happens um, and when that happened, uh, you could really, really start to, I don't want to say feel the momentum swing because the momentum had, only, had already swing, swung um, in the Owls' favor pretty heavily. But at that moment, you
3: kind of feel like we had it. Yeah. And are you sure that was Terrell that said that in the postgame interview? I thought it was Demon Robinson. It was Terrell. I didn't, uh-huh. um, I'm didn't. i talking about the postgame press conference. Oh, the postgame press conference. Gotcha. I was just kidding about the uh, the postgame ESPN where they put Demon Robinson's name next to Terrell. That's one of my favorite uh-huh. images of all time uh, when they put him on the graphic. uh and I made that my profile picture because I don't care what you guys say. Usually I would consult you guys to determine who my picture would be, but you know, if none of you guys said Terrell Burden, you know, I'd probably just have to, you know, executive order, kick you off the podcast if you had a different uh, player of the game. So, uh, but yeah, Ter- man, Terrell, just, just amazing. And he was four for four from the free throw line. And, uh, how many points did we win by? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that should be praised as well. I'm sure he's been putting in a lot of work there.
1: Made all the difference. And the uh, the team mark from the free throw line um, is still not where you want it to be, but it's, you know, slowly getting better. I think it was around 70%. Yeah, 70.6%. Um, you know, so still a lot of room for improvement, but uh, it's, you can tell that there's been work done.
3: Um, but, but our big four, if you look at them, uh, Burden, four for four, Cottle, yeah. three for three, Adam McCoya, two for two, uh Robinson uh two for two it's really you know Sherman and Gordon were over four is what put it down otherwise we only missed one free throw and that was R.J. Johnson right
1: absolutely I mean and if you take out you know that one Frank one Sherman trip to the line then you know we're 80 percent um, yeah so, you know it's it's a little misleading but things have gotten a lot better uh one thing I want to ask you guys about is uh the decision to go hyper aggressive defensively on that last possession because obviously it worked out very well Um, but you know, you don't want to risk fouling a three-point shooter or something like that. I want to ask you guys about, um, how you felt about the way we played that situation.
3: Let's start with Aaron.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, had a good little view there on the floor next to Nick. And I actually, in the timeout, I was talking to Nick saying like, first of all, they're going to, they're going to switch everything with that amount of time on the clock. Um, we have the ability, and Demond's proven he can get out there and, and defend for at least one position on, on the perimeter. And like you mentioned, like we we played with energy defensively all night, but especially that possession, we we knew what we had to do, we executed the plan. I think I think Coach Petway had a good had a good timeout uh, defensive plan. The guys the guys bought in, um, and and we we played well, we played hard, we played aggressive. So um, those situations, you you pretty much know what you're gonna you're gonna. Do defensively, um, you just have what I think is like 22, 23 seconds. You have to execute uh, to get the game, and and those guys did. They were they were bought in, and I think that that also plays. You know, it speaks to the amount of experience these guys have, and and you guys mentioned Terrell's a winner, um, Demond's a winner. The past season, like we've we've proven that we can win these close games and we know what we have to do. Uh, even coach Petway, he's first time head coach, but he's a winner as well. So we know what we have to do to get these games and, and close them out. And the guys executed down the, down the stretch.
3: Yeah. They knew that they couldn't let, um, Queens, you know, put up that three point shot. Um, you know, I think we would have given them two if we, if we had to and not foul, which is a smart move, but we, you know, we, like you said, we just, uh, you know, switched on out and they kept trying to get a three up, but you know, they're not a very big team. So that's one of the drawbacks of not having big guards. And sometimes we suffer from that as well. So I totally get it. And one of their small guards, uh, Chris Ashby, who I call Chris Ashby, um, was one of eight from, uh, three point land. And he's, you know, he's a deadly shooter out there. And then you have, um, you know, B.J. McLaren. He doesn't have a quick release. Their big guy was three for seven and three was, uh, you know, two for two. So three and McLaren and Ashby are probably the three guys and maybe McKee that you don't want to take those shots. Um, Dayton Albury was already fouled out. Um, so, you know, that was off the table. Getting him in foul trouble could have played a big factor in the game as well. We don't want to, you know, overlook that.
1: Um, one other thing i wanted to point out and i could totally be wrong on this but i think we might have had a foul to give
3: did we okay
1: um or because they we had 16 total personal fouls and i know that queens was in the double bonus in the first half so just by doing my quick math we might have had a foul to give you know which means hey if somebody you
3: know beats you or whatever just hack them and you know we'll uh, we'll start from the top yeah, that makes complete. That's a great point, guy. That's uh, I, like I said, me and Aaron, I mean, we're just so into the game. Sometimes you don't, you know, we don't notice uh, stuff like that when you're watching or think about it and really make that mental, you know, note, Um, you know, two days later when we're recording it, which, you know, that is an important detail that we, uh, you know, that we kind of omitted if that's uh, correct. So.
1: Well, we'll go back and check on it, but uh, I'm just picking that up from looking at the box score Um, afterwards. <laughs> that being said, I mean, uh, to Nick's point, uh, I forgot if we said this off air or on air, but um, the just collective um, better control um, of personal fouls that we had in this game. Um, you know, foul trouble has killed us in previous games. You know, it really hurt us in the Asheville game. Um, really, probably lost us the game in the Indiana game. Um, so that was very encouraging to see. Uh, part of me wonders uh, how much that had to do with just the way Queens played um, and they're they're more fundamental. You know, less run over you type of style of play, but, you know, uh, good regardless. Um, With that all being said, uh, let's talk about the bigs a little bit. Obviously, as I mentioned earlier, DeMond was held out of the starting lineup and had his minutes limited, um, but did, you know, show up in the stat sheet, had 11 and eight, and then Ronji Gordon got the start and didn't have the best night offensively, but I thought played okay on defense and put up some valuable minutes. Um, He logged 14 in total. So, uh, as always, we'll default to Aaron, uh, what did you see? What did you like? What did you not like out of, uh, our bigs?
2: Yeah. So, so being out, being at the game, I, I, I was more in, immersed as a fan and as, a, as opposed to, you know, trying to prep for the podcast and I haven't rewatched the game, but just being out there, I, I, I did, I do like what Ranji brings. Like he is more than capable as, as a 15 to 18 minute guy out there. Um, he, he's not, he's never going to, you know, put up a 15 point double double in, in those 18 minutes, but he, he is capable, especially with the guys we have out there around him that can, that can create and shoot and score. Um, and then bringing them off the bench. I mean, <clears throat> we've talked about it a few times and Kai, you brought it up. He made a huge difference as soon as he gets on the floor, like the game changed a bit. And that's, I mean, that's when you have a player of his caliber join, you know, join the guys on the floor, he's going to make a difference. Um, what stuck out to me, obviously, was was he was not reluctant to shoot. And he he was probably about at his average 25%. I'm not sure where he stands for the year, but he knocked one down, which we'll take. Um, but his three blocks, like when I looked at the box score, I've been surprised. I thought he had five or six, the way he was controlling the paint down there for a while, um, especially as we started going on our little run there in the second half. Um, it's fun to watch him defensively. He's, he's talking, he's communicating to his guys. Um, just being in person watching him, it's it's a, even more of a, a respect than, than you can that I have. you know when you watch the broadcast, it's one thing, but being on the floor, seeing how he controls the paint and leads his team defensively, it was great. So he he did what he does. Um, you know 26 minutes, a little abbreviated there. still nearly put up a double double with with three blocks as well and you know did, uh, dabbled in the, the rest of the, the stat sheet. Um, solid performance all around, and I'm just I'm glad he's healthy. I'm glad he's back out there, and, and he didn't uh, show any signs from that Alabama, or excuse me, Indiana injury.
1: Did he uh, look any bigger in person?
2: Um, yeah, I he looked stronger for sure. I think when when I hear six nine, and I'm more of a six six guy, I was expecting to kind of like look up at him. We we, I mean, yeah, he's definitely taller than me, but I I think stronger in person for sure. Um, I would not want to play against him. I'll tell you that much being an undersized big man. And he's a, he's a properly sized, uh, five in the post just as quick as anybody I ever played against. So I, I definitely would not want to play against him. Um, but yeah, I kind of expected, uh, what I saw from him size wise.
1: Gotcha. so, uh, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about, um, the freshmen, um, RJ Johnson logged 16 minutes and Frank one Sherman logged eight minutes. Um, RJ had a nice night, uh, goes three for six. Seven points, adds five rebounds, um, only two turnovers to go along with two steals, so those kind of balance each other out. Um, Frank Juan, like I said, only played eight minutes, only scored two points, uh, made his only field goal of the night, missed two free throws, but did grab um, three boards. Um, So, John, we'll start with you this time. I know we have both said R.J. Johnson had a nice night. uh, Yeah. um, But what
3: what did you think? Yeah, I thought um, R.J. Johnson had his best game in a while. You know, I thought when things were kind of tough, he, you know, took it upon himself a little bit to go in and made some, you know, shots around the basket. And, uh, you know, not necessarily super easy shots, but, you know, shots near the rim. And thought he did a really good job there. I'm looking forward to seeing the next phase of his development next season, which I think is, you know, going to involve, uh, you know, getting his body right and doing all that other stuff. Um, and, you know, Frank one Sherman, um, you know, I think it just might be a confidence thing. I don't know, but, uh, you know, he came in, he's a little bit undersized to kind of play that for, I think, you know, for what maybe coach Petway is looking for, but, um, you know, he came in and then he had two fouls literally within what, like five seconds of each other. You can hear the PA announcer just, it's like he was repeating himself, but it was a different foul. Um, You know, Frank Quan, I just think needs to get some, you know, a little bit more uh, rhythm and confidence. And RJ, I think, is doing, you know, just fine behind Burden and Cottle. There's not a lot of responsibility that has to be put on him this year to, you know, carry the team or anything like that.
1: Right. I will say it's been um, good to see them become comfortable as depth pieces rather than, um, you know, just freshmen trying to prove themselves and that way experimenting with them in the rotation and whatnot. You know, it's it kind of feels like we've settled down and we know what we have. Um, and now it's time to, you know, just work as a team and come together and make this run in conference play. Um, and, you know, they serve valuable roles. Um, I wish we had, you know, those two guys on our bench last year um, would have made us a lot deeper. It's nice to have uh, a reliable third guard um, who can step up and, you know, give Cottle or Burden a breather and come in and shoot 50%, you know, and also just intimidate the hell out of anybody he's running towards. Um, so, yeah, very encouraging from RJ. Uh, as far as Frank Juan goes, I'm with you um he needs to kind of just settle down i think i still see a ton of potential in him oh yeah i i love his rebounding ability um you know he makes some freshman mistakes like you know picking up these ticky tack fouls um these are things he can grow out of and uh you know you said there's not a ton of pressure on rj johnson i don't think there's a ton of pressure on sherman either um i think we need guys like jason halt and jamel king to step up who we'll get to later um who you know didn't have the greatest nights to kind of take that load off of frank juan sherman Um, but other than that, I thought his, you know, his play has been, uh, good enough. That's, that's what I I would label it as. And, um, not,
3: you know, any regression or, um, concern in his progression as a player. So, yeah, Sherman has some areas where, you know, he needs to improve on in the off season and he'll be just fine. I'm, I'm not worried about that, but, you know, his, his skill sets, you know, a little bit raw for, you know, being a, you know, a regular contributor. You know, once he refines some things, I think he'll be fine. Um, but you know, we're seeing the flashes and all that, and that's really you know what you want to see from a freshman. So,
2: no, I mean, you guys, you guys mentioned it. I don't want to echo you guys too much. They're they're going to develop, as we know, like we've been talking about it all season long. Kai, you made a good point. We don't we don't necessarily need to live and die by these guys either. They can take some time and and play their ten to fifteen minute roles and and fill in and contribute when they can. Uh, what I will say about RJ is <clears throat> RJ is, like, he's the most intriguing player to watch because he has the, the ability to go anywhere he wants on the floor at all times. Like, he can get there with with his body and his his ball handling skills. One, I'd like to see his, his mindset adjust a little bit more going into, you know, the finish the rest of the season and, and his career and understanding that he has the ability to really just do whatever he wants. And I don't say that just flippantly. Like, he really can. And then two, I think John mentioned it, like he's got some developing to do as well. Once he, once he gets in the paint and once he realizes, hey, I can beat my guy, like that's when the decision making is going to come. And he and he has time to do that. He has, you know, three and a half seasons left to really, you know, identify his spots where he can take his guy off the dribble. And once he's in the paint, make a pass, make a make a, a move to the to the rim, like really like fine-tune those skills when he is in the paint figuring out his next move. Because right now he can get there, but I think the game is still moving just a little bit too fast for him. Um, naturally, as a freshman, like just wanting him to to develop and make those next progressions, which he absolutely will. He's he's light years ahead of most freshmen in the country right now. So um, I'm loving what I'm seeing and I'm even more excited for what's ahead for him.
3: Yeah, and not to, you know, get off the subject of Archie Johnson, but I do want to give Simeon Cottle some love. I mean, he started off a little bit slow, but... You know that dude some of that some of those finishes inside are just you know elite that he makes um you know some shots you're like oh man you're open you got to hit that but then some some of those finishes that get the momentum get the crowd going draw the n1 he just like flips it up like a reverse layup off balance being pushed away and like how the hell did he do that
1: yeah and he's uh you know big proof of the difference of year one to year two um in you know in college basketball Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a guy who has got so much confidence and, um, you know, really has a short memory that if he starts 0 for 9, I'm still okay with him, you know, going out there and taking shots because he's going to step up and be totally unfazed and hit the next four and win a game for us. Um, so for sure. Dogwood
0: golf club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna Vinings and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer membership and daily fee play. Their championship course is challenging for all levels of golfers and is frequently used for practice by some golf teams from a local university. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw. Be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat podcast. So I believe we were down about nine at the time that this happened. And it happened twice, and RJ got a breakaway. He went down the court, and he tried to do the one-handed dunk on the hoop to kind of get the crowd back into it. Both of them were missed. One was defended better than the other, in my opinion. That's besides the point. Would we rather see that same play again in year two of RJ or even in later games this year, or would we want to see that get the points? Like That's kind of just what I'm thinking right now. What do you think?
3: I'm personally fine with him going up strong. Um, I remember one of those plays I think he used his body to shield the Defender on his back to you know expecting the foul and drawing it the other time maybe you know we could always say hindsights 2020 he could have laid it up and laid it in. I think going forward next year I think the dude is going to lose some of the fat, add some muscle and he'll get up there a little bit quicker and be able to slam that down uh you know no problem so that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, I, didn't, you,
1: I didn't have a problem with him going up for the dunk. Um, he just smoked it, and that happens sometimes. You know, it's always easier to say you can go and take the layup, but, you know, he had a good look at it. He he should have made it. It wasn't, to me, a, a poor decision thing. He just, you know, missed on the execution that happens. And, you know, you uh, you rebound, and you just come back and play hard the next possession.
2: Yeah, and I'll throw my two cents in, too. As <clears throat> as, a, as a fan and, and a coach and a teammate, you, you'd love to see the four points on the board, obviously but also as a teammate and a coach you you want your freshman going out there and and doing what he does and being aggressive like you not you don't want to to limit him and say hey don't be aggressive in these moments and don't try to don't try to break the rim like the fact that he is going up for these dunks when we've seen him do it um is something that I'd love to see and I I will I will be content with a missed dunk anytime over a you know a being soft and going up with the layup and, and being weak. So I was happy with it.
3: Yeah. And, you know, Sherman, I think, had a similar opportunity where he traveled or something like that, where we didn't even get to the rim. So, um, you know, these, like I said, these guys have some development to do and they'll get there. It's part of the process. I'm not, we're not mad at them. We're not, you know, second guessing them. And Aaron's right. You know, I guess, um, you know, when you're a freshman, it's better to go, you know, go all out than, you know, if you did lay it up and he got that shit swatted then we'd be saying, why didn't he dunk it? So, you know, like I said, it's 2020 and I'd rather our guy be, you know, playing balls to the wall than, you know, playing, you know, pansy ball. So, yeah.
1: I mean, and to Nick's point earlier, um, you know, these guys are young and they're still kind of trying to play like they did in high school, you know, where they're the biggest strongest dude on the court and nobody has the the guts to step in front of them, you know, so they can just get to the, get to the bucket every single time. Uh, and they can't do that anymore. Um, and you're seeing them slowly learn that. And, you know, now they're going to have to develop a mid range and, you know, work on their outside shot, be smarter and be, I don't want to say less aggressive, but, um, you know,
3: just more calculated, um, in their drives to the bucket. Yeah. And let me pose a question to the room for all three of you guys. What is next for Simeon Cotto? Um, just going back to him and his development, is there, is there a lot of room left on, you know, he seems like a naturally skinny guy. So I don't know how much room there is to add muscle, you know, get stronger, you know, Obviously, you know, you know, shoot it a little bit better, and you know, refine your skills. But you know, what's the upside on Simeon Cottle that you're seeing? And I think I'll
2: start with Aaron. So with Simeon, yeah, I think he is more of a a slender guy. I I do think he is also like I don't think that means he can't be strong. I know that's not what you're saying, but I think like he is a strong guy out there, and he and he'll flex his muscles on some of these and ones. And and I love that. I love how he talks to the the opposing team. Um, I think there's a lot, a lot left on the bone with him just in terms of maturing and, and getting to be the leader with the ball in his hands. You know, when, when TB is off the court next season, um, like I, I, it's funny after almost every podcast, I'm like, man, I didn't give Simeon enough credit. Cause like he, he does so much for the team and, and yet like we still don't necessarily, or I feel like I don't necessarily recognize him as much as we should. Um, he's He's capable of doing pretty much everything on the floor. And Kai brought up a great point earlier. When when he shoots, like I'm more than confident that ball is going in. Like you, you feel great. You might as well put three points on the board, even if he's over five, over six to start the game. Um, I think there's a lot left on the bone for him and and still a lot of development. Um, for me, my first my first game division one basketball was as a sophomore. And I can tell you how much I developed my junior and senior year. So the fact that he's already got, you know, 30 games up on me in that and already producing this way, he is gonna develop really all of his skill set is gonna develop quite you know, a lot more the next few seasons. So I'm excited for what he has to, to offer going forward. Yeah, um,
1: obviously everybody can always improve as a shooter. Um, Cottle's been a good shooter by the numbers so far, but he definitely has room to improve from three. I think he's 33%, which is a step down from last year. Um, but obviously that has a lot to do with the volume in which he's been shooting. But what I'm gonna say is um, just as a distributor, Um, And I think we're going to see that a lot more next year when Burden's gone. Um, And I think Cottle's really going to be in charge of running the offense. Um, I think we'll probably see RJ Johnson slide more into a a true shooting guard role. And Cottle's going to be more of a true point guard. But, you know, um, this is all theoretical. And
3: we'll see if everybody even sticks around. Um, It could be the other way around, Kai, as well. RJ might slide in at the point guard. And we might run Simeon as a smaller two, same as he's running now. And Johnson slides in for Burden, for all we know.
1: It's possible, but if I had to predict it now, I think Cottle um, would be a little bit more comfortable in that true one role and RJ in the true two. But, you know, who knows? Um, either way, they're both going to have the ball in their hands a lot. And they're both going to be, you know, running sets a lot and yes. pushing the ball up the court. So I'll just say as a distributor, I think he probably has uh, a little ways to go and not because, you know, he he lacks anything or he's poor, but I just don't think he has um the same level of volume and experience that a guy like Terrell Burden has, where he's going to be putting up, you know, eight assists casually on a night at this point in his career. But, you know, by the time he's a senior, who knows, I think
3: that's absolutely a possibility. Yeah. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to do it. So he's not doing it. doesn't mean he can't do it is my way of thinking. Exactly my point. Yeah. And RJ Johnson, you know, I, I feel like if he's going to take on the coddle role, he's got to improve his, uh, you know, three point shooting a bit and become a little bit more of a natural, you know, scorer. Otherwise, I kind of, you know, I kind of want to see him, you know, t- RJ take that next step and, you know, ball control, being a little bit more responsible with it. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, if he would be hard to guard, I still see him as the, you know, the point guard, so to speak over Cottle, but I would honestly rather Cottle be that, you know, that one, because that would possibly allow us to, you know, play a bigger lineup elsewhere, so.
1: Well, it's hard to kind of tell and label it as the coddle role you know because i think um while burden uh, does great things for this team this year and you know is arguably the most valuable player on this team um i'm not saying he is but i think he's in that conversation Um i don't think he's necessarily the type of player that petway is going to want in the future running the offense i think he's gonna you know go towards more size and physicality um, so we'll see. Uh, in that case, you know, I could see what you're saying. You know, where you put RJ at the one, and you know him being kind of the battering ram um, to bring the ball down the floor. Um, but I don't think we're seeing a full version of the Petway system quite yet. And I think that's going to take another year or two. Um, you see that with the guys he's bringing in. You know, everybody's six four to six eight. You know, can you know strong can get to the bucket and can shoot from the outside. So it's very clear the type of player that Petway is going after.
3: Yeah. And, you know, like I said, we we've said in past games or I've said in past games, you know, got like Burden and Cottle, you know, they're we're getting some fast break opportunities, but they're just a little bit too small to always, you know, convert and draw those fouls at the rim when they're trying to finish and that kind of thing. So, you know, we're seeing we'll see McKenzie next year. We'll see Seals next year. We'll see uh, woolly next year. So all those guys can, you know, throw down a, a dunk and are a little bit bigger. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And, you know, the fact that, you know, we can even kind of start plotting out next year right now is a good thing because in, like in football, we can't even start doing that. You know, we're, we're trying to say, okay, who do we have on the offense? All right. We have like one guy that we can slot in Benyard, And then on defense, we're okay, like, Oh, that guy's leaving. Okay. Can we put this guy there? We have no idea what the hell Somebody going Somebody
0: help John. He's getting on a football tangent. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God.
3: Later. But no, um, yeah, we have, we have, we have some dudes and we just need them to continue to develop just, you know, and take those next steps, just like Coddle developed this year and we'll be just fine.
1: Yeah, and it is worth noting that um, it's not these conversations are not something that listeners should buy into, you know, too heavily at this point in the season. We've got a whole majority of the season left. It's just fun to theorize. It's fantastic yeah. looking at yeah, it. It is. Um, and we're fans first. Absolutely, and it's all it's all interesting stuff. But um, moving on, unless you had anything else to add, um, two guys who had poor nights: uh, Jason Hall, who only shot one of eight um, for two points, did have six rebounds to his credit, um, and then Jamel King who concerns me more because last 3 games Jamel King has only converted one field goal for 3 points. Um, he's put up two uh two goose eggs in the Indiana game um and the Queens game. So uh, I want to ask the room and we can start with uh we can start with Aaron this time. Um is Jamel King's lack of production um cause for concern over the last week?
2: Um yeah. yes a, a bit it depends on how you're looking at Jamel King if, if you're looking for the the Presbyterian Jamel King potentially yeah it can be a cause for concern I, I think his last three games really after the the Brescia game um which coincidentally mirrors when Jason Holt has <clears throat> came back um he struggled he struggled quite a bit offensively and his minutes have gone down progressively since since then um I think I started this whenever we talked about this first time three weeks ago, um, they have to figure out the minutes, figure out the new rotation, figure out their new roles respectively. Now I think Jamel King is still trying to figure it out. Um, and, and right now he's getting, you know, shorter and shorter minutes and less opportunity to prove himself when he's on the court, which is going to make it more difficult for him going forward to to really make an impact immediately to, to give coach to trust, to keep him in there for, you know, 25 minutes a game. Um, but I think he he is still more than capable of, of bringing what we expected him to bring was was will be some 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 timely shooting and, and some great defensive play. So um, I'm I'm not checked out of the Jamel King, like, you know, sweepstakes yet. Like, I'm still thinking he's going to be great. But right now we're kind of getting into a worrisome time where conference play has started. And he's he's really kind of regressing in terms of production and minutes. So I'm, I'm worried about about that going forward.
3: Yeah, it might be a confidence issue. I'm not sure. But, you know, like you said, you know, Jason Holt has seemingly jumped him in the pecking order um, and that sort of thing. And, you know, you, you mentioned this last time, Aaron, you said, you know, King's a field player. And if he's not getting out there, he's not getting the field. And, you know, if he's, you know, worried about, you know, missing a shot and getting pulled or anything like that, then, you know, it's kind of could be messing with his head a little bit as well. No?
2: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. He is a field player. And in, in my opinion, I think getting him out there and getting him in the rhythm of the game, um, I think what really could have benefited for him was maybe one or two more, just stellar games, maybe not in terms of shooting or, or points, but really just feeling like he made a huge impact on the game and, and getting his confidence at you know, maintaining it at that high level, even once just, just on hold uh, started playing um, that didn't happen, unfortunately. So he's, he's got a, find a way to get out of whatever he's in um and and get to a place where he knows he can make an impact on the floor. And if that's not shooting, then he's gonna have to defend, defend like crazy and, and really make that impact and rebound and and you know, get his hand on some deflections, things like that. Um, he can still do that. He's more than capable. It's just getting him that opportunity to do that.
3: And Aaron kind of just took the point I was about to make, you know, maybe he has to start things on the defensive end and get things going from there, poke the ball away, get a dunk, get an, and one foul him there. And, you know, really just get his, get his, I hate this word, but get his swag back, Um, you know, just kind of, you know, like I said, start at the defensive end and work your way up.
1: Would you say he needs to turn his swag on?
3: Something like that. (laughs) I hate, I hate myself right now.
1: Not to uh, not to reference any other you know basketball alums, but you know we'll leave that out there. Um but I think the next uh question, not to stay too negative, but um is our inability to start have strong uh over the last week or two weeks a cause for concern for y'all?
3: Well, the UNC Asheville one, I you know, we hit a buzzsaw. You know, they did the same thing to Appalachian State, who's a really good team actually you know, just days before they did it to us. So, you know, that one, you can kind of forgive, but then Indiana, you know, we didn't defend out the gate, even though we were hitting our shots, we just were not defending. And then, you know, you have this one in the second half, we need to play, not, not even 40 minutes. We need to play closer to 40 minutes of solid basketball. Not every team is going to play 40 minutes. That's why there's runs. That's where there's timeouts, but we need to get a lot closer to 40 minutes of competent basketball than, you know, we have been playing because, you know, doing this type of effort versus a team that's better than Queens is not going to be a winning effort. And, you know, we're playing Stetson up next on Wednesday and, you know, that's going to be a much tougher game. I mean, they have a great point guard. They have some really good players. I mean, we got, we got to get better there.
2: Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to say it's a cause for concern. I, I don't, when I watch the games, I don't see exactly something that you can break down and say, this is why we're starting slow and to start these halves or start the game. Um, It's, it's one of those things. I think we'll get, we'll get it back. Uh, We have a lot of leadership and and experience on, on the floor at all times. So not, not necessarily concerned. You'd love to see them start strong and, and, you know, set the tone early for ourselves, but I'm not necessarily concerned. I don't love it, but um, it's, it'll, it'll fix itself and iron itself out over time. I'm, I'm hoping.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I know basketball is a game of runs and all that, but it just feels like some games it takes us way too long to get in a rhythm um, and, you know, just to like get our confidence up and, you know, it's just like that first, those that, first two shots, you know, that you hit, um, you know, start everything um, and it seems like we struggle to do that um, quickly some games and, you know, I think the Asheville game was a good example of that. Well, you know, they did play as tough and play as well, you know, if we don't come out and get outscored whatever whatever it was like 30 to nine in the first eight minutes you know we probably win that game um and then you know we go eight minutes against queens with i think one field goal or no field goals so um it, it worries me a little bit but um you know it i think competition also probably has something to do with it you know we've uh we've played some tougher teams over the last couple of weeks and um that's been thrown in our face um so i'm with you guys i'm not too worried about it but it
3: is something to watch in my opinion And I'm just speaking out of my butt here, but, you know, when we do have those runs, are we, you know, are we going for three pointers too often? Or, you know, maybe we need to, you know, start the half by making an emphasis to start inside and work our way inside out. I, you know, I'd have to look at, you know, the numbers, like what's going, like what's going on here. We need to, you know, it's not just starting slow. It's a matter of playing a complete game as well It's kind of starting slow is just baked into that.
1: Well, it, get, it gets back to, you know, what concerned me the most about just this offensive structure is like if we have a bad night, you know, from deep, how do we adjust and what do we do? Um, we had uh, a not so great night from deep against Queens. I think we went eight of 26. Um, but on the flip side, you know, uh, against Indiana, it's what kept us in the game. We almost shot 50%. Um, so it's a scary thing to live and die by. And, you know, we have to have other options. And I think um, this Queens game was actually really encouraging. It was like, okay, you know, we're not you know, scoring the ball well from deep. Let's go to burden. Let's get some uh, looks at the rim. Um, You know, let's just attack the basket. Uh, Nick just put in the chat 42 points in the paint, which um, I'm going to go ahead and guess is one of our better nights um, in the paint all year. Um, So, yeah.
3: And Queens was only 9 of 25 from three. So that really kind of helped, you know, offset it a bit, our uh, eight for 26. So they really only had a couple guys that were hitting from three. Um, You know, 10 assists, 16 turnovers for Queens, 10 assists, 14 turnovers for us. You know, that, you know, that needs to get better on our end, a little bit better ratio there. I'd like to see. So sure, sure.
1: Um, Unless anybody else had anything to add, um, I can go ahead and take us into our anticlimactic player of the game before we talk a little bit about Stetson. Go for it. Who is it? uh, uh, We'll start with um, No, I'll I'll go last. Um, We'll start with uh, Aaron this time
2: uh terrell burden like what else can i've said this already today what else can you ask from this guy he is he is everything you want on the floor as a teammate everything you want on the floor as a coach um and you know queens is is you know unhappy when he has the ball like here we go we're gonna have another tough possession of this kid making a difficult you know contested layup or whatever he's gonna you know knock from deep whatever it is um like you just love seeing this kid. And, and I could not be happier. I've said this again. Also previously, he's, he's wearing black and gold. He's with us. Like there's nothing that we can, there's, this guy is unstoppable and he's going like this. So it's real burden. I'm going to
3: have to uh, go with uh, Charles stone. Um, you know, nobody brings the energy on the bench. Well, you know what, maybe EJ, but I'm, I'm going to go with Charles stone. It was a tough call. Um, so, you know, that's, that's my pick. <laughs>
1: All right, we'll, uh, we'll let you sit with that, John. Moving on to Nick. He is
0: Kennesaw State basketball. My favorite quote of the night from Coach Petway, he is Kennesaw State basketball. That was about Charles Stone, Stern. right? No, Terrell Burton, John. Okay. TV, the man. What a phenomenal game. So, I mean, it was just fun to watch. It It, it felt like vintage TV. And it, it it's fun to be back in conference play and see him have that that kind of game, and it just makes me even more excited to to see how the rest of the season plays out. So consider me uh, one of the lucky KSU fans, uh, along with everyone else who gets to see this man play out his uh, his fifth year season with us. Terrell Burden is the player of the game.
3: Yeah, and can we please get some shirts that say "Give them TB"? Nobody nobody's no. down. With that. Oh, no. Shit. No. Bad idea. All right. All right. Kai, what's your take?
1: Yeah, I just want to say the intensity was great to Nick's point. Uh, it it was refreshing to get some conference uh, conference play. It, it uh, like the GSU game was fun and there were a lot of people there, but this one it just felt like it meant more. Um, so that was great. But yeah, it's 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 got to be Terrell Burden with an honorable mention of RJ Johnson just for, um, you know, an individual improvement standpoint. Um, but Terrell was awesome. Um, he's going to go down as the greatest to ever do it in KSU basketball history. Um, we love you, Aaron, uh, <laughs> but I appreciate uh, that. No, uh, Terrell was awesome. Uh, you couldn't give it to anybody else, but I do think RJ deserves a mention, um, because I think he gained a lot of confidence back and, um, you know, encouraging me a lot because I've been a big RJ Johnson believer since the beginning of the season, um, But, you know, don't want to go down that rabbit hole too far.
3: And well, you know what? You guys were really persuasive. Um, You did a great job of talking about that. So I've actually changed my pick. Um, So I'm going to say instead of Charles Stone, I'm going to say Terrell Burden. Um, And I actually changed my profile photo. uh, Yes, a couple of days ago. I think it was Sunday night. We're recording this Monday morning uh, to uh, Terrell Burden. So, uh, you know, I didn't even need to consult with you guys. Um, Whoever, I guess, is the consensus player between uh, Stetson and Florida Gulf Coast the combined at the end of this week uh, gets to be next on the John's profile photo uh, player of the week. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, hopefully with some of these closer conference games, we'll, uh, you know, have less of a consensus. Uh, maybe we'll actually have some debate on this segment going forward, but um, it would be a disservice to give it to anybody uh, but Terrell Albert.
3: It'll be malpractice.
1: Yeah, that being said, uh, let's talk about Stetson a little bit before we close up. Um, so, Stetson is currently 10 and 6 overall and 2 and 0 in ASUN play with wins at home over Jacksonville and North Florida. Uh, while not the strongest collection of opponents, they do seem to be one of the premier teams in the conference this year. Uh, after a fourth place finish last year, 12 and 6 in the ASUN, uh, the Hatters return a ton of production, including leading scorers Jalen Blackman and Stefan Swanson, who averaged 22 and 12 respectfully so far this year. Uh, but they also returned other um, starters, Alec Oglesby and Aubin uh, Gauderets, I believe I said that correctly, um, and then added you know, a big addition of the seven-footer um, Minnesota transfer in Trayton Thompson, who has appeared in every game so far this year and has started 11. His block numbers are a little underwhelming for the size he is. I think he's sitting at only like 0.3 blocks per game, which is kind of surprising um but he does shoot better than 50 percent from the field um so definitely not somebody to disregard in the paint and him matching up with demand is going to be a lot of fun um you know with these mid-major bigs it's kind of you know kind of kind of suspicious you know with the seven footers it's like okay well why are you playing at stetson when you're seven foot tall but you know the guy was on scholarship at minnesota so he's clearly talented um Uh, Stetson shoots the ball very well as a team Uh, they've got splits of 47 84 and 38 uh, while bringing more size and experience than Queens did Um, I think KSU might be in for a tough one but um, I'll go ahead and start with your thoughts John and how you see this one going
3: well first I want to talk about the MVP watch that we talked about on the uh, last podcast I believe Um, Blackman you know scored what eight and ten points with very poor shooting and I kind of mentioned that you know with uh, his scoring he might have the Heads up on the MVP for the A-sun. Um, You know what? They, Stetson won both games, but uh, you know Terrell Burden, twenty-eight, um, you know six assists, four rebounds, three blocks. I mean, TB has to be in the you know the front seat after very early on one game for that MVP watch. So we'll keep an eye on that throughout the season. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, S- S- I'm sorry. Stetson has some great players as well, like Stefan Swenson um he's you know probably behind Thrill bird and the best point guard in the league so it's going to be i think it's going to come down to the you know the the end and we we can't have those droughts that we had versus queens or we're not going to beat stetson so
1: wait what did i say did i mispronounce swanson's name you said so, swanson swanson ah my bad uh you know definitely not uh the player whose name i want to be mispronouncing and angering before the game because he's uh he's a solid player
3: Yes. And Swanson makes terrific TV dinners. So, you know, props to them.
1: Absolutely. But yeah, um, I have a tough time predicting a win in this one. I think it being at home uh, goes a very long way. And hopefully, you know, we uh, we ramp it up and, you know, try and keep our almost perfect home record together, you know, from the last couple of years. But um, we'll see.
2: Um, Aaron, how do you see this one going? Yeah, you you took my point. We are playing at home. Um, Students are back. We still have Terrell Burden, Damon Robinson, Quincy, Jamel, Jason, RJ, whoever I left out, Simeon. See, there I go again. Like we have the team. Like I'm, we're at home. I guess the main thing. Um, I don't know much about Stetson outside of a shout out to Brett Comer. He used to be a Florida Gulf Coast guard who is now an assistant coach there. Um, so, you know, I don't know a ton about them outside of I know enough about our guys. And, and I think we have enough to, to never say that. I don't have, I, how can I rephrase this? I'll never say, especially at home, that I don't think that we can pull it out, um, especially against a conference opponent. So I'm with the, I'm with us on this, on this one. Yeah.
3: It's going to be, it's going to be a battle and, you know, it's good to uh, get battle tested early, but I said it all last time. We need to play better. Give me 38 to 40 minutes of great basketball. That's bottom line. Um, yeah, because, I just going you know, to go
1: ahead and put it out there. There's a there's a chance we get humbled. You know, I think we got a little cocky um, at points during the non-conference schedule where we looked around the conference. And we we're like, oh, so and so lost to so and so, and you know, we're we're nine and three or whatever. Um, I think there's a chance we get beat, and it doesn't mean the season's over or we need to you know reel in expectations. But there's a chance that you know they they come to our place and beat us, and we gotta you know kind of restructure and figure
3: out what we uh, we want this year to be hi we're the front runners now we're we're going to get everybody's you know best shot one thousand percent one thousand percent we're defending champions we have that label um you know last year if you look at it i think there were a whole bunch of games where you know we just eked it out and you know nobody when it's all said and done you know if we're 15 and three or whatever like last year nobody's going to remember oh we won them all by one or two points or if we won them all by you know 10 points you know it's just a matter of did you get that win and at the end of the day a three-point win over queens that works but you know we don't want it to be you know that tight again and you know we're playing we're playing a dangerous game here if we keep doing uh doing this
1: right it's a conference game and i'm just saying you know this is uh this is a contender we're going up against yes uh, and you know when they if they beat us you know we're all going to be thinking okay we're really even though you know, you know, we're the front runners. Like you said, we're going to get everybody's best shot. It's going to really hit that. We're not head and shoulders above everybody else, you know?
3: No, any team in the A-Sun can beat any team in the A-Sun and, you know, for, you know, 95% of 90% of the seasons, that's kind of, you know, how it is. Um, you know, Queens took it to us last year. We lost to them at this was the game we lost last year, if you think about it. So we're technically doing better than we did last year. If you want to think about it like that. So, Um, you know, but yeah, we, we do need to play better overall. We need to be more consistent on our three point shooting. I like that our free throw shooting is getting a little bit better, but we need to keep progressing. We can't, you know, you know, be like, oh man, we've, we've played such a fast pace, man. I'm, I'm tired out. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm done after, you know, half the conference season. We need to keep, you know, our energy. We need to keep going strong. I will say, I'm glad we get uh,
1: Stetson first. Um, in the Stetson Florida Gulf Coast series, um, I think Stetson's a step ahead of FGCU right now, um, and I'm glad they we'll have more rest for that game.
3: Yeah, FGCU is just a just a giant mystery. I mean, they they're, like I said, with my last comment, like, teams in the a could be anybody on any night, and it's all a matter of is it home or is it away? Is this guy shooting the ball good or are they not? You know, we don't really have like a you know a, a top fifty team. You know, like perhaps the in the girls league with FGCU that can just roll through pretty much everybody, you know, even on their worst shooting nights, you know, FGCU is probably going to escape with like a you know, a 10 point win, even if they're shooting poor, like super poorly, like nobody's hitting anything. So, you know, that and looking, I also want to look around the A-Sun real quick because, you know, who's 2 and O okay? K. EKU they've got two nice wins too I believe so yeah they they beat Lipscomb and uh, Austin uh, Austin, uh, R. Kelly so um, yeah they're doing a uh, you know a strong job I think uh, you know they just need to flick a switch those guys are dangerous and they're going to be there right at the end and even if they're not they're going to be somewhere in the tournament and Mm -hmm. I I want to avoid them Um, Lipscomb also you know they did lose the first game to was it EKU right yeah, it was EKU. Um, but they still don't have they still don't have Ignacevic, right? Or did he get him back? Do you know? um, He has not appeared in the game yet this year. OK, OK. So do you guys know when he's back? Have you guys heard anything?
1: It's been it's been weird all season. Um, there was a report in like early December that he was a few weeks away and that was a long time ago now. So
3: yeah. who knows? I think, you know, I think it's safe to say right now that in no order, KSU, Lipscomb, Stetson and EKU might be the top four to reckon with. Do you guys kind of agree with that or do you have anybody else that you'd still put in there?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a a fair assessment. I think Austin P is going to be a team um, that has a lot of talent and can go just, like, beat anybody on a random night, but they'll probably still finish middle of the conference, but they might have a win against, you know, a Lipscomb or an EKU or a KSU, you know, just randomly sprinkled in. Um, It has been nice to see Jacksonville kind of get exposed early um, because they played a bunch of nobodies in non-conference and, um, Tim smiling over there in the corner, but you know <laughs> they racked up like a nice nine and five record, and then you know got popped in back to back games by FGCU and Stetson. But you know it's a long season, no reason to write them off either. But
2: but yeah, unless y'all got anything else, I can go
1: ahead and take us out.
2: God, I do actually. I do, John. I know I don't usually jump in at the end here, but um, I would I would be remiss if I didn't uh, bring up, hey, Coach Petway, I'm a huge believer. Wins and losses aside. Like if just meeting this man and, and being a part of his program, like I, I know, Kai, and it's gonna be it's hard for you to put this back on track and close this out after my random comment. But Coach Petway, like I can see why we we hired this man. Like he is just an unbelievable leader. He gets buy-in from the players, from the fans, um, just easy to connect with. And he he definitely made me feel back at home after being away for for 10, 11 years. Um, you know, I I never met this guy before never interacted with him one time and he made me feel like a brother so um shout out to the athletic department for for hiring him and trusting him with our guys and uh and i'm excited to have him as part of our team leading our program for the next hopefully decade to come
1: he jumps out as very real and genuine yep 100 percent
3: very well said and you know that helps not just on the court leading the players but that's going to probably help us as well you know raise money fundraise and do all those off the court things you know charity work that we need in order to stay successful as a program as well that can't be discounted
1: yes so let's not make a run to the elite eight this year Give it a few. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yes. Right. Yeah, let's tell. Hey guys, uh, can you stop playing so well? We don't want <laughs> to coach. That that's that'll be a great argument here. Um, hey, I mean the the jump up to conference
1: USA and obviously we don't have the, wanna have these talks yet, but um, that's kind of a built-in promotion you know um he is moving up to bigger time college basketball next year so that is worth mentioning
3: it I, that's a good way of putting it as well and that's a good selling point to any players who are thinking about you know leaving as well like hey we're going up you know you're going to get new challenges you're going to get noticed more you're going to probably get on tv more um you know that kind of thing so we're looking i'm looking forward to that
1: fantastic all right we'll be back with the midweek uh on thursday everybody have a great week Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat
3: Podcast.
0: As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at bigowlblog.com and John's KSU message boards at ksuowlhowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, go owl!